Psalm 84, 1 through 8. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with the longing to ent enter the courts of the Lord with my whole being, body, and soul. I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose, whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will, will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. O Lord God of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O, listen, o God of Jacob, the word of God. My prayer life is vibrant and it's active daily. I like to commune with God at nighttime. I get under those warm covers and I kiss my wife goodnight and I just start talking to God. Just me and God, tell him everything. <sighs> Makes me just sleepy just thinking about it. And there I am just laying in bed, laying out my request to him and he's hearing me and I know that I'm in good company with him. Where was I? The efficiency of one's prayers are directly congruent to the position of one's body. Therefore, the legs should be saying, God, help me. Amen. There are times that me and God do not talk, and that is not God's fault, that is mine. I just get so busy. And so when I do end up talking to God, I really just try to impress him, give him a show, to just to show him how much I love him. So excuse me, will you, as I pray to God. Oh, Heavenly Father, oh, Heavenly Father, beseech me not unto thee, how now? Brown cow, oh, thy soul is so dry, and if I can just catch a morsel of who you are, so verily, merrily, down the stream. God, I, I just want to be used by you, God. I want, I want to be salt and light and light and salt and sight and love and... Peppers and oregano and pepperoni and black olives and those little bit. When I like to get my prayer on, uh, there's some things I keep in mind. Um, I think it's totally awesome that uh, God is like Santa Claus, and he wants to give you the things that you want. Therefore, you need to keep lists of things. My list currently has 745 prayer requests on them. So then when I go to the Lord in prayer, it looks a little something like this. I'll just pray real quick. Um, let's see. The uno thing on my list is my mom. And so I'll pray for her now. Dear Heavenly Father, I lift up this sweet salt of the earth lady that you have blessed me with to be my mother. And I tell you thank you. And although I know that I'm called to respect her, 
and I give her all due respect, there's also an issue of something she truly needs, and that is to stop a yapping. Lord, she yaps, and she doesn't know how to stop yapping, so could you please make her mute just for a day? Nothing permanent. Don't hurt her. I love her. Just mute her. Take your big God remote and push mute on her channel. That would be great. Henceforth, I would go on and pray all 746 things. God, you are greater than anything this world has to offer. And I can't wait for you to come back and get us. But until that time comes, would you help me just to just to live my life day after day as if I'm just walking hand in hand with you. God, I, I have a lot of needs and I have a lot of wants. And sometimes I get those things confused. Help me to just trust you to meet my needs and be thankful when you give me those other things that I just want. God, I have blown it so many times today. And I'm sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. I don't take it for granted. And God, as I start this day out, I, I'm just reminded that this world is filled with so many spiritual potholes. Please help me to walk in such a way where I won't stumble so much. And as I'm going through this day, God, help me to live my life in such a way that would bring you glory and honor. May the life that I live be a life of worship to you. Amen. check one two sometimes it's just a little stubborn in the morning you have mornings like that where you feel a little stubborn well uh, good morning to you all uh, we were missing pastor Norb this morning uh, he had surgery on Wednesday morning and uh, he had surgery on his nasal passages and sinus uh, difficulties and he is uh, recovering well Still a little bit sore in the mornings, but uh, he said this morning that he's doing much better. Should be back among us very soon. Uh, I asked but a simple question in our staff meeting this past Monday and got an earful. Uh, well, maybe a page full. Page full of great notes. Uh, awesome responses from our staff. And the comments that they made are the foundation uh, of the, the sermon this morning. So I guess if you want some elaboration on, on the sermon, you could simply go to one of the members of our staff of TCC or Southwest Community Church and, uh, and have them elaborate a little bit. But they were the ones that helped formulate the, this message with their core ideas. And so as I started to write uh, this week, I realized that they had given me a lot. They had given me more than one sermon. They had given me at least two, and maybe it will morph into three. Uh, the Father's heart. The Father's heart. So what's the question? Well, very simple. Uh, what do we do with prayer? What's the purpose of prayer? 
How are you making any sense out of prayer in your own life? It's a huge question. A gentleman walked out of Southwest Church a couple of weeks ago and he said to me, it's the third and most important question that people in our churches are asking. I said, what's that? He said, unanswered prayer. How do we deal with unanswered prayer? And I know it's an important question. I didn't know that it was ranked. Uh, it is a common question that we all struggle with from time to time. Uh, although that's not my question this morning precisely, but I think when we can make sense out of what prayer really is all about, we'll have input into that question as well. It's true, isn't it, that in almost, in perhaps every faith, every faith has some form of prayer. When we discover some very remote tribes way back in the isolation of the Amazon, for example, we find people groups, tribes that present offerings and pray for health, they pray for food, they pray for uh, rain, they pray for rain to come, they pray for rain to stop, they pray for their children, they pray for victories in battles over people that are threatening them. They pray. They have their prayers. Even some atheists pray. Back in the 1950s, in Russia, during the heady days of communism, a portrait of Lenin was often visible to the people of Russia. And the newspaper Pravda ran this advice to its readers. You would see this sign on uh, various uh, corners. If you meet with difficulties in your work or suddenly doubt your abilities, think of him, of Stalin, and you'll find the confidence you need. If you feel tired in an hour when you should not, think of him, of Stalin, and your work will go well. If you're seeking a correct decision, think of him, of Stalin, and you will find that decision. Kind of feels like prayer, doesn't it? Prayer is universal because it speaks to some basic human needs. We pray, why? Because uh, at times we just want to shout out our gratitude for some beautiful thing in our lives. Oh God, that's awesome! It was, it's really was a prayer. It's a prayer. You're awesome. Oh God, thank you so much. It's a prayer. We pray because we feel overwhelmed. We pray because we feel overpowered. And we feel small and helpless and afraid. And we say, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, we're driving. Lord, help me. We pray for forgiveness. We pray for a new start. We pray for strength. We pray for assurance that we're not alone. Prayer is universal because it speaks to a need inside all of us. It speaks to a basic human need. Thomas Merton put it so well. Prayer is an expression of who we are. We are a living incompleteness. We are a gap. We are an emptiness that calls for fulfillment. In prayer, we break silence. We start to utter some things that may be very deep within us. And if we're not too desperate in our prayer lives and we just know we need to pray, sometimes we just pray some rote words because we just really think we ought to say something. I prayed. There are some great prayers in history. George Mueller is one of those. 
He began each day with several hours of prayer asking God to meet the physical needs of his orphanage. He didn't have all the physical supplies. He didn't know where it was coming, and he really trusted God to meet all of those physical needs. Charles Simeon rose at 4 o'clock in the morning to begin his four-hour daily prayer schedule. Susanna Wesley, a busy mother with no privacy, would sit in a rocking chair with an apron over her head, praying for Charles and John and the rest of the brood. I hate somewhat even to cite these examples because they make us all look bad. Because I don't pray like that. But there have been some awesome prayers in history. Philip Yancey wrote a book. Uh, it's, it's in my library. And I was going to say, as I was thinking about this, he wrote a book a couple years ago, and then I looked. Do you know how time flies on you? It was actually 11 years ago he wrote, he wrote an awesome book on prayer. And he, he interviewed a bunch of people like us on the subject of prayer. And he would ask, is prayer important to you? Oh, yes, of course. How often do you pray? Every day. Approximately how long? Five minutes? Maybe even seven minutes. Do you find prayer satisfying? Never. Not really. Do you, do you sense the presence of God when you pray? Occasionally, not often. He said, many of those I talk to experience prayer more as a burden than as a pleasure. They regarded it as important, even paramount, and felt guilty about their failure, blaming themselves. I, I love the honesty of this dear author. If you get a moment to read that book, Prayer by Philip Yancey, it's, it's a great read. Here's what I relate to. He comments, I write about prayer as a pilgrim, not as an expert. I have the same questions that occur to almost everyone at this point. Is God listening? Why would God care about me? If God knows everything, then what's the point of prayer? Why do prayers, answers to prayer seem so inconsistent? Does a person with many praying friends stand a better chance of physical healing than one who has cancer but with a few friends praying for him or her? Why does God sometimes seem close and then sometimes seem so far away? Does prayer change God or does prayer change me? How do you make sense out of prayer? What is the purpose of, of prayer? Uh, we've been trying to get our hands on a fairly new book that Lance Wint, Witt has written. The book is called Replenish. Uh, and uh, we've, we've got an order into Amazon on it. It's a book addressed primarily to pastors because of what's happening in our ranks. Now these are American statistics I'm going to give to you, uh, but they're very recent and they're, they're up to date. We don't have any Canadian stats because no one has done any research here in Canada. But here's what we know in the United States, and we assume that it's probably true, at least percentage-wise, in our country. It's just fewer numbers. And the study has been done by Barna Group and by Focus on the Family, uh, five credible organizations. The other three I can't remember off the top of my head. 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month in the United States. Let me just say it again, because it's a staggering number. 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month 
in the United States. Most of them because, well, it's just too hard. 50% of pastors would leave the ministry if they had another way to make a living. They don't leave because they, they can't. It's become a financial issue or a question of livelihood or a question of providing for their family. And so they feel really boxed in. The reason for this overwhelming departure of pastors from churches every year from senior pastors to pastoral staff is the depletion of spiritual resources. The struggle to replenish. Famished souls. How do you replenish when all the energy has been sucked out of you? Where do you get it back? And so we asked the question in staff meeting, what are the symptoms of a life that is in deep need of being replenished? And it would be fun just to have you respond. Uh, what are the clouds that form when you are depleted on the inside? And we talked at staff about some of those reasons, and you could probably add to this list. But number one, there is certainly the cloud of discouragement. It's hard to see the bright side because someone has, uh, has happened, uh, someone or something has discouraged our spirit. And the wind in our sails seem to be gone. And if you've ever operated from a discouraged spirit, and all of us have, you know how hard it is to be effective. How hard it is to gain ministry momentum. One of our staff said, you begin to live within your head. What does that mean? It means you overthink the stuff in your life. And you let it swirl and you see it mainly as negative And poor me, look what I have to carry. It's a me focus. There is the lack of joy. And then very high up on that list is there's the lack of hope. There's the lack of hope. Ministry seems hopeless. We will never get anywhere. Nothing will ever change. We will not make any progress. So I will just as well quit. It's hard to carry on in anything if you're lacking in hope. You know that in your own context. Spiritual depletion destroys our hope. And then there, there is the inability to persevere. 50% of pastors these days are dropping out before they reach year five of their ministry. 50% drop out before year five. There are no resources to carry on. We lack peace in our hearts to process what's going on in the world. We are anxious. We are afraid. Basically, we are dry and empty, and we try to minister out of dryness, and we, it's really, really hard. And so those are the clouds that form in, in a heart that is desperately need, needing replenishing. And all the enemy would love to keep us from replenishing. Oh, if he could just manage to keep us out of the throne room of God. If he could just manage to keep us from experiencing the fullness of his presence, the place where we're refueled. He would be quite satisfied. 
So what is the purpose of prayer? What is it all about? As a staff, we listed a lot of things and we identified them as the purpose of prayer. And I'm going to summarize them into five or six categories and just start this morning. First is the truth that prayer is a relationship. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is our time to get to know God. Fellowship with God. Isn't that an interesting word? Fellowship with God. It's a time when we have a communion. It's a time when the walls are broken down. It's a time when we have a connection. We have a relationship with Christ. When John Wesley came to Christ, he said that his heart was strangely warmed. It's a wonderful expression of what prayer is. Prayer is the warming of our hearts, the intimacy of a relationship. One of the things that strike us when we read the Gospels is the deep personal intimacy, uh, the nearness of Father God that Jesus experienced and taught. He said, I've loved you. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Such a oneness with the Father. He said, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Here's how Paul viewed it. He said, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. That's a relationship. And the idea of God being a father is not new. The psalmist shouted it out. He said, as a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. In Hosea, God describes himself as a father who takes his children into their arms. I'll look at the richness of these words. I was struck by them again this week. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the farther he moved from me. I, I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. I stooped to feed him. Do you see his longing for a relationship with us? And that's the purpose of prayer. That kind of personal relationship that we can develop with our Father. He's a father to us. I'm not sure of your experience of relating to your dad. Maybe your dad was warm and, and personal. Or maybe he was removed and passive. I don't know. We all come from different experiences. And we come from different backgrounds. But regardless, I hope you know who your heavenly dad is. I hope you know who your heavenly dad is. And we're not only given father pictures. Through the prophet Isaiah, for example, God uses the language of mother as a mother comforts her child. So I will comfort you. Here's the heart of Jesus for us. It's pictured in the scene where Jesus overlooks Jerusalem for the people of this great city and he weeps for them. Remember his words, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks, 
beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. You wouldn't let me. Richard Foster wrote a great book called Spiritual Disciplines, and uh, he tells a story uh, of speaking at a prominent seminary. Uh, it was a week full of uh, heady stuff, intellectual, theological debate, and it had gone on for, for four days, and then God spoke to one of the students in the lecture hall and gave her a song, which she called Abby's Lullaby. And she wrote the lyrics, and she gave them to Richard Foster. Richard said, I read those words, and I felt immediately that she should sing the song to the entire seminary community. And she was shy about it, but she said that she would. Richard said, in the next assembly, I shared my conviction that God had a special word for us, not from me, but from one of their own. I explained that it was a prayer. It was a picture of Jesus singing over us. He said, and I invited the students and the profs to be in a spirit of receptivity. It was such a simple song, and it went like this. Sweet child, dear child, you know I care. Sweet child, dear child, you know I'm there. Sweet child, dear child, you know it's true. Sweet child, dear child, I love you. Such a simple song. And there were three verses to it. And those good men and women, people who had wrestled long and hard with arguments of Bart and Niebar and Pannenberg and Tillich and other theologians, just stopped. And they absorbed those simple words of love and intimacy like dry sponges. And a holy hush came across the auditorium, witnessing to the fact that our hearts had been drawn close to the heart of God. You see, in the end, when it all comes down to it, it's about a relationship. It's about a father. It's about a connection to a father and how much he loves us. And in the midst of the busyness and the confusion and messiness of, of our world, in the, in the midst of, of, uh, of a complex world where people in this congregation are, are moving and growing in areas that are complex and the rest of us would say, what, what do you do? And then they would explain to us and we still wouldn't really get what they do. There's, there, it, it's a complex world. But after all is said and done, we're brought back, we're brought back to simplicity, we're brought back to intimacy, we're brought back to what prayer is all about, a sense of the presence of God, a relationship, an understanding that we have a Father who dearly loves us. And that's the purpose of prayer, to have those rich times of intimacy. What's the purpose of prayer? A relationship, a friendship, a fellowship, a communion with God through Jesus Christ. The second purpose of prayer could be summed up in the word partnership. Prayer is the great privilege that God gives to us to accomplish the things that God wants us to do. 
I'll say it again because it's a mouthful and almost too stunning to be true. But it is true that prayer is that great privilege that God gives to us to accomplish the things that God wants to do. It's pretty incredible that history is the story of God giving away power. He gave us power. He gave us the gift of free choice. And God partnered with a lot of people as we read the Bible. I mean, just about everyone God picked to lead a new venture. Adam, Abraham, Moses, David. Proved somewhat disappointing. But in spite of that, God has never abandoned his partnership plan. He's still partnering today. And he's partnering with you. He's partnering with me. He's partnering with all of us. He's partnering with individuals. He's partnering with Tewilliger Community Church to do what he wants to do in this community. He's partnering now with Southwest Community Church to do what he wants to do in those five communities of Windermere. Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit to us to guide us, to teach us, to partner with us, to do the work of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. We have counselors among us this morning. We know how counselors work. Not by giving orders and imposing changes through external force. A good counselor works on the inside, bringing to surface, to light, those things that need to be acted upon. The God, the Holy Spirit, makes us aware so that we can pray and find direction. Most of the time, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, communicates rather subtly, feeding ideas into my mind, bringing to my attention a comment that I made that was just not appropriate. Uh, inspiring us to make better choices, giving awareness of a danger, sensitizing to another person's need. But he speaks so we can partner. God's Spirit whispers rather than shouts and brings this awesome sense of well-being. We call it peace. He brings a beautiful peace to our hearts. It's a gift from God. And it's so empowering as we partner with God, his peace. In the midst of serving him and partnering, we have a beautiful peace in our hearts. It's a partnership. It's working together as the Spirit whispers to us. A father spent a, a day of hard labor installing stone steps in his backyard. The individual stones weighed between 100 and 200 pounds. And it took all of his strength and a few tools to maneuver them into place. His five-year-old daughter begged to help. When he suggested that maybe she just stand on the sideline and sing while he worked, that would encourage him. She said no. She wanted to help. So carefully, when it would not endanger her, he let her place her hands on the rocks and push them as he moved them. The dad admitted later that his daughter's assistance actually complicated the task. He could have built the steps in less time without her help. At the end of the day, though, he not only had new steps, 
But he had a daughter bursting with pride and a sense of accomplishment. Me and Dad made steps, she announced at dinner that night. He would be the first to agree. Sure, God could do it without us. Of course he could. He could do whatever he wants. But he chooses. He chooses to partner with us. And we get to say at the end of the day, at the end of our life, me and God, you know, we, we work together. We did kingdom work. What an awesome privilege. Listen to the whispers of the Spirit. Read the Word. Hear what God is saying to you and help God push those stones into place for the work of the kingdom, for the glory of His name because He wants you to be part of it. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And He will use you to push against those gates. And Jesus has built His church over the centuries of time. I know, I know, there's been many embarrassing uh, setbacks. Uh, But new territory has been gained. Some of the chapters of church history must bring pain to the heart of the Father. But yet the church has moved forward. And we move forward in partnership. We move forward, all of us, very much needed to make a difference in the world. Paul, when he writes in 1 Corinthians 12, put it quite clearly. The head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. So whether you are metaphorically an eye or an ear or a mouth or a hand or a foot, we're all needed and we're all included. Remember how Jesus called people into mission? He on one occasion seemed overwhelmed by the great work that needed to be accomplished, the heart his heart for the harvest. And, and it just seemed like it, he just needed to express it. It says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is great, he said, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more partners, more workers into his field. What a high calling that God desires to partner with us for the task of taking the good news to the world. Amen? In the late 19th century, William Carey had a stirring in his heart to partner with God for what the Lord was doing in India. And you know, pastors around him scoffed at his idea. They said, young man, if God has wanted to save the people in India, he certainly would do it without the likes of you or me. They missed the point of partnership. That God does a great deal on this earth using all of us as partners. And it starts in prayer. It starts with hearing God and listening to God and and obeying Him. And tonight we're going to pray. We're going to pray at our prayer summit. Thank you for responding. We've had a wonderful response to for supper and baptism in the prayer summit this evening. We could say that God doesn't need us to reach our community with his love. Oh, just let God do it. Let him take care of it. No, God wants us to partner with him. God wants to use us. God wants to speak stuff into our hearts and minds and say, you go do this, you go do that. Here, I'll tell you specifically what to do. We don't have to do it alone. 
And God doesn't do it alone. We do it together. He wants us to look over our community like he looked over his community and, he, and feel the compassion. Let the tears flow and say, Father, would you help me to partner, to accomplish what you want to do? It begins in prayer. And the third purpose for prayer is what we would call alignment. It's easy to lose perspective as you journey through this life. Prayer calls you back to your identity, identity, who you really are. Sometimes when we're depleted of our resources, we are dry and empty. We feel like we can do nothing. We have nothing to contribute. We best just go away. We best just run away and hide from this crazy life that we're involved in. That's what discouragement does. And then sometimes when we're doing well, we have the impression that nothing could stop us. We are unstoppable, we are invincible, and we would think everyone would be privileged to be around us. Oh, but prayer aligns us. It aligns us when we're too hard on ourselves and when we're filled with pride. We can grab hold of what the psalmist is saying when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. What are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Psalm 8, 3 and 4. Who are we? A mere pinch of dust. That's who we are. A whole bunch of us, seven billion people spread across this planet in a universe that is so large that we can't even discover it. We can't build the telescopes to see anywhere to the end of it. It goes on infinitely. And here I am in this huge universe. And who am I and what do I do? I cut the grass yesterday. What is that? What is that? So vastly minimal in comparison to the fact that there is a Milky Way that is so huge that we can't find all the stars. And there are a hundred billion other galaxies just like it. It's beyond us. And we say, Lord, who am I? Prayer helps us to see who we are. That we're absolutely dependent. My life, who I am, is insignificant in contrast to this great creation. But yet so important to the heart of God. So prayer helps correct myopia. Myopia is called nearsightedness. People have difficulty seeing distant objects, but can see objects that are near much more clearly. Prayer corrects myopia, this inability to see past ourselves, to see how God might view who we are and how he wants to use us. Sometimes I get out of perspective. Sometimes I think, God should serve me. Oh, God, you better do this for me. You better do that for me. God, you should serve me. And actually, he has called me to serve him. And when I come to God in prayer, he realigns my perspective. He changes my heart. He changes my attitude. That's the purpose of prayer. I just absorbed the story this week of Alexander Schmemann, the, the late priest who uh, led a reform movement in Russian Orthodoxy, he tells of a time when he was traveling on a subway in Paris, France, 
with his fiancée. They were young, they were in love, they were in their early 20s. He said at one stop, an elderly, unattractive woman in the uniform of a Salvation Army got on, and she found a seat nearby. The two young lovers whispered to each other in their Russian language about how repulsive this woman looked. Perhaps she was seriously injured in some catastrophe. They didn't know, and they didn't care. A few stops later, the woman stood to exit. As she passed them by, she said in perfect Russian, I wasn't always ugly. He said, that woman was an angel of God. He said, I've told the story for years and years and years. I've told the story to my students. She opened my eyes in a way I will never forget. What did I say? What did I do? What did I think? And it took just a few words to align him. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what prayer does. You see things differently because you hear God. You see God working. You see the big picture. You see what God is doing more clearly. That's the purpose of prayer, to align our hearts with the Father. So we see through his eyes and we see through his heart. So that's it this morning. The purpose of prayer, a relationship, a father's heart, a rich and meaningful relationship with our Father. You have a heavenly Father, an Abba Father. Secondly, a partnership. Awesome to think that God wants us to be in prayer so he can tell us how to partner with him to do the work of the kingdom here on earth. And then alignment. In prayer, God does some adjusting. He does some tweaking. Maybe we need a fresh perspective, and God aligns us to flow in with his heart. Would you stand with me, please? In a moment of uh, quietness, what would you like to say to your father this morning? What would you like to say to your father? What did he say to you today? Would you say, Lord, tell me what you want me to do? What response? What steps does he want you to take? Lord, I'm willing. so honored, Father, to know you because of your Son, Jesus Christ. We feel so privileged to have a relationship and a partnership and a direction on this planet because of prayer. 
And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to show us the way of prayer. We invite you to show us. We invite you to remind us. We invite you, Lord, to take leadership of Terwilliger Community Church. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the rich, rich privilege of partnering with you. Lord, by your Spirit, impact these words into our hearts today for your glory. That we will love you and walk with you and serve you and enjoy you because you're our Father. In Jesus' name.